This is The Illusionist, in which I, Helen Zaltzman, try to tend to language better than my houseplants. You were too young to die. I'm sorry for whatever it is I did to you. In today's episode, we've got cakes for a cause, content note, swears, and a few saucy references. On with the show. I'm recording this in March 2021, and this month, the Police Crime Sentencing and Court Bill is being rushed through the UK Parliament. It seeks to impose heavy restrictions on protest. Police powers would be expanded to penalise demonstrations that cause, quote, unease or annoyance, which are highly subjective things. If you say something causes unease or annoyance, it's hard to prove that it doesn't. The language of the law being this flexible is somewhat of a problem. Personally, as a craft enthusiast who has attended a fair number of protests over the years in London, I'm always excited to see the banners people have made with very impressive applique on them. But one person's impressive applique could be someone else's annoying applique, right? Just in case things do take a turn for the draconian and we're no longer allowed to march past some of London's most iconic landmarks chanting the lyrics to pop songs with the keywords changed to something more pointed, I turn my attention to cake. Not for comfort, but for rebellion. Back in the olden days, when I went to other countries and to cafes, I went to a cafe in Buenos Aires in Argentina to eat cakes with two local tour guides, Maddie Lang and Juan Palacios, because facturas the pastries in Buenos Aires, have unusual names like priest's balls or friar's balls. So these are the traditional pastries that we eat in Buenos Aires. The bola de fraile, the friar's balls, is like a round pastry with cream on the inside. Yeah, it's like a full donut. Yeah, it's kind of like a full donut, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the same... Uh, dough yeah. it's fried it's doing the same thing it's just a big ball a beautiful ball <laughs> big beautiful ball yeah it is it is so it has two names it's the same pastry it has two names it's bola de fraile which is frayers it's not frayers actually it's like um, it's, yeah like a priest I would say priest but I'm for, to my taste a, a priest balls it has an, another name. It's the same thing, but it has. You can call it two ways. The other one is um, nun. Uh... Nun sai. Yeah. Nun sai to imply a nun was emitting orgasmic moans, as well as religious cake names. There were also libritos, which meant little books, symbolizing political pamphlets, perhaps, or religious texts that you eat. Then there were the military and law enforcement pastries. Yeah, you've got the um, the cannon, which, what is it called, the full name? Cañoncito. Yeah, That's Cañoncito, the little cannon, which has dulce de leche on the inside. Or crema pastelera. Or cream. Yeah. The cannon is a symbol of the army. They could have called it whatever, but I mean, it, it looks like a cannon, and that's a reference to the army. The one I like the best, after the Bola de Fraile, is El Vigilante. Vigilante is a... How do you say the the policeman? It, it is the it is the officer, but refers to the guy standing on a corner just watching. Yeah. El, el vigilante. Yeah, the like lookout, but the as lookout. a cop. Yeah. What it refers is the lookout, but talking about exactly the police officer, and basically, the that factura that pastry is um, 
it's they're a, best done. They're it's stick. a long. It's a, that's another reference I have. It's a the, the look the way it looks the picture. It's a long slip of uh, dough, yeah. strip of, of dough, and the version I have. And again, you're gonna find different people telling you different versions because this is not written somewhere. There's you know people attest to generation passing generation is an oral story so you're going to have different versions and different interpretations the one I have the one I like better is that it refers to the officer standing in a corner you know like showing the the, the, the you know it's an example of the force you know like rectitude or whatever you want to make of it so that vigilante the long stick shaped pastry could refer to police officers themselves standing stick straight or it could refer to the baton they held or to the stick. Up your ass. Thanks, Juan. The pastries got these names in January 1888. There had been a lot of political turmoil in the decades since Argentina had declared independence from Spain in 1816. And while the 1880s were a time of prosperity, there had been genocide of indigenous people, fraudulent elections, corruption, and rampant inflation. The lower and middle classes were pissed off. To this mix, add a big wave of immigrants from Spain and Italy, bringing with them two important things, baking skills and anarchy. A term which I think now is often used to denote chaos, but in its ancient Greek origins meant without a leader. And this is the sense of the political principle of anarchy also, sovereignty without the rule of church, state or military. In the late 1870s, Argentina's first trade union was recognised, the Typographical Union, followed in 1885 by the Carpenters' Union, and the next year, the Bakers' Union. One of the founders was Ettore Mattei, who had been kicked out of his native Italy for his political activities, and he worked with the revolutionary socialist Enrico Malatesta, who had fled Italy in 1885, hidden in a shipping box that contained a sewing machine being delivered to South America. It was Malatesta who got the anarchists and the unions to work together. In January 1888, after the police violently broke up a meeting of the Bakers' Union, the bakers went on strike over pay and working conditions. The bakeries shut down. No baked goods. Baked goods were very important in Buenos Aires. Still are. I'm going to talk about Porteños. They have a really strong relationship with the bakeries. Today, it's hard to walk more than two or three blocks without finding a bakery. So the bakers... The bakers striking would have a huge effect on people. Yeah. Certainly. <gasps> oh my gosh, my bakery's never been on strike. And it's the thing that I would say, the place that's open more than any other shop. Maybe the vegetable guy. But I, in around my apartment, I have, I think, four or five bakeries just within one block. And There are a few things that government needs to actually look close. The fruits and vegetables, take all, the prices go up and down. Nobody cares beef and bread, the government really needs to look behind that. Because if the price of bread goes really up, they're going to have a problem. If the price of beef goes really up, they're going to have a problem. And I don't think you can say the same about any other type of food. If you don't have power, but the food has power, make your point through the food. Even the Argentinian Spanish term for pastries, factoras, means bills or invoices. So the name of the whole genre carries that sense of a bill unpaid, of something owed, of fuck you, pay me. So, as a funny, but actually it's a political comment, a political statement, they started naming the pastries with these names. Who would they attack? Uh, the police, 
the army, the church, the structures of power that they were trying to take down. Hence the names. I mean, it's funny, but it was more than that. It was a political statement. It, it really characterizes the, the people because they, I don't think they thought they were going to start a revolution. They were just being kind of disrespectful in a very open, normal way. You know, instead of, like, what if instead of calling it pizza, they called it the fuck you, you know? Like, <laughs> this is just the name, and we're just saying it, and this is just life. The bakers' strike was very effective. After 10 days, it was over. The bakers secured a 30% pay rise. This was such a successful action that over the following year, 15 other Argentinian unions held strikes over pay and conditions. Lots of other unions formed, borrowing the Baker's Union's aims and principles as written up by Malatesta. The other legacy of this action was the pastry names. I would learn about these words, and there's lots of slang, so I, you know, the, every word has a story. So I, w- I went to the bakery one time with a friend, and he's ordering bolo de fraile and the vigilante. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I know these words. Like, what, is, <laughs> what do they mean? And when I said to him, are you saying bola de fraile? Like, are you saying the, the priest balls? He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> they don't realize. It's the actual word for the thing. They're not, they're not saying the friar's balls or the priest balls. They're just saying bola de fraile. It's the name of the thing. And so I love that it's just such a normal part of their culture that they don't even recognize it. And that's a really cool thing about travel in general and either looking at your own city or home with the eyes of a tourist or having a traveler, you know, ask these questions because you get to these underlayers of the culture that are really kind of normal for everyone, but they mean something. So the 130 years since the anarchist history in the pastry names, people are just kind of oblivious to it. Yeah, it's just the name of the thing. Thanks to Madi Lang and Juan Palacios of BA Cultural Concierge. If you're ever in Buenos Aires wanting a very entertaining walking tour, they can provide. Find them at baculturalconcierge.com. Well, now I'm looking around and thinking, well, what things could be renamed to make a point? There are plenty of foods and things named as a compliment to someone. Pavlova for the ballet dancer Anna Pavlova, Peach Melba, after the opera singer Dame Nellie Melba. Omelette Arnold Bennett, the Victoria Sponge or Victoria Sandwich, a cake tribute to Queen Victoria. And she got her own plums? The sandwich itself. Garibaldi biscuits, named in honour of a visit to Britain by General Garibaldi. Their colloquial name, squashed fly biscuits, pays tribute to squashed flies. Graham crackers, as a tribute to the 19th century preacher Sylvester Graham who exhorted people to live abstemiously, uh, to avoid mustard and ketchup because they cause insanity, and to follow a vegetarian diet to minimise the temptation to masturbate. Hold graham crackers in each of your hands. That would be more likely to minimise masturbation. Should have thought of that, Reverend Graham. Although, to be fair, the graham crackers weren't invented by him, they weren't official Sylvester Graham merch. Nor was the Shirley Temple drink affiliated with the child actor after whom it's named. She didn't even like it. She found it too sweet. Arnold Palmer, the alcohol-free drink, was named after the golfer who loved to order that combination of lemonade and iced tea. And eventually, Arnold Palmer the human started selling Arnold Palmer the drink. An Arnold Palmer with vodka added was named after the golfer John Daly. Not with his blessing, 
but as a supposedly humorous reference to his alcohol problem. That is not cool. I would advise not to name foods or drinks as a gag about somebody's addiction. Never punch down. It is a little more rare to name or rename foods as an insult. The other day I asked etymology maven Haggard Hawks, aka Paul Anthony Jones, if he could think of any examples, and eventually he came up with ganache, yes, the rich, creamy chocolate substance. The word originates from the Greek for jaw, gnathos, and eventually in French it came to mean specifically a horse's jaw, and from that, slack-jawed, to denote a person you think is foolish. And then in 1862, the French dramatist Victorien Sadou wrote a hit comedy play called Les Ganaches, which took the piss out of Parisians for being old-fashioned and politically regressive. A fellow playwright Paul Sirodin owned a confectionery shop in Paris and started selling chocolates he called ganache to celebrate the play Les Ganaches, and perhaps also as a jab at politicians who had burdened the confectionery business by opposing changes to sugar import taxes. Calling your chocolates a word that means ignoramus, mm, sweet revenge with a hint of etymological bitterness. Bonus Victorian Sardou word coining fact, his 1882 play Fedora featured Sarah Bernhardt playing the character Princess Fedora, who wore a trend-setting felt hat, which then got its name from the play, if you're looking for somewhere to apportion blame for the fedora. On the subject of the French, remember Freedom Fries, the movement in the US to rename French fries because France opposed going to war with Iraq in 2003. A restaurant owner in North Carolina, Neil Rowland, came up with the plan to rename fries, and he also renamed French toast Freedom Toast, I don't know if he also renamed his business so he didn't have to use the French word restaurant. But he did inspire North Carolina Representative Walter B. Jones to pass on the idea to Representative Bob Ney, who in his role as chair of the House Administration Committee was able to demand that food outlets in the House of Representatives must henceforth call fries Freedom Fries. This did not shame France into joining the war in Iraq although an ambassador did point out that French fries didn't even come from France, they're from Belgium. Nonetheless, Freedom Fries continued being sold as Freedom Fries in the house until 2006, when Bob Ney resigned and was imprisoned for corruption. The fries were quietly changed back to French fries. Neil Rowland's inspiration had been the same idea enacted some 90 years before. During World War I in the USA, sauerkraut was renamed Liberty Cabbage. Hamburger was called Liberty Steak. Frankfurters were Liberty Sausages before they became hot dogs. And the actual dogs were renamed. Dachshunds were called Liberty Pups. And German Shepherds, Alsatian Wolf Dogs. Furthermore, German Measles was renamed Liberty Measles. I'm not sure that Liberty Measles was the ownage that they thought it was. Right now in Taiwan, freedom pineapples are all the rage. Since a few weeks ago, China banned the import of pineapples from Taiwan. Before that, more than 90% of Taiwan's pineapples were being sent to China. But no more. The Taiwanese government has been urging citizens to eat more pineapples. Pineapples for freedom. Is it freedom or is it pineapple enzymes that make the inside of your mouth go all fuzzy? Do foods taste different when they're named for a political cause? 
when you're consuming not only sustenance but meaning? Well, what we've seen with ganache and bola de fraile is that after the passage of enough time, you don't even know you're eating an imbecile or a priest's ball. You don't know that as well as eating your feelings, you're eating the feelings of a movement. The Illusionist is an independent podcast, coming at you from a cupboard in South London. On the topic of travel, I just wanted to tell you about another podcast I appeared on recently, Anthems. They asked me to do a short essay about a word, and the word I chose is tourist. So find the Anthems feed on your podcast app to hear that. Your randomly selected word from the dictionary today is... Borborygmus. Noun. Technical. A rumbling noise made by fluid or gas in the intestines. Try using it in an email today. This episode was produced by me, Helen Zaltzman, with thanks to Erin Wade, Ian Stedman, Paul Anthony Jones, Carolyn Wright, and Martin Austwick, who also composed the music you hear in Every Illusionist. Seek out Allusionist Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tell me which cake you'd rename for a cause. Oh, Christy, uh, you messaged me ages ago to ask me how the Brazilian pastry Cueca Virada got that name. It means inside out underwear. So I asked our Brazilian translator friend Gaetano Galindo, and he said it's just the shape, because they look a bit like shorts. I don't know how you can tell that the pastry is inside out or right side out underwear. But there you go. Sorry to have kept you waiting. If you want to support the show and get behind-the-scenes glimpses of how this sausage is made, head over to patreon.com slash allusionist. And to hear or read every episode, find out more information about the topics therein, get links to all the guests, see the full dictionary entries for the randomly selected words, you can visit the show's forever home, theillusionist.org. <laughs>